Tonight, we're continuing our series in, in worship. And we're looking at tonight developing a life of personal worship. You know, we come here on Sundays and we worship together. And what a great joy that is. What a great joy. What a great blessing. Uh, you know, that God's people have, have always gathered together for worship. This isn't something that we just invented. This is something that God's people have always done. And so we thank the Lord for that great blessing. Uh, can you imagine being in uh, a, a country today, even today, where Christianity is persecuted and you may ever only know two or three Christians your whole life? Can you imagine? And that you would risk your life and, and limb just to, to gather with them in the name of the Lord. But here we get to gather week after week, publicly, openly, uh, and to worship God and to sing his praises. And so we have the, the public gathering and we have public worship, but, but tonight we're going to be looking at developing personal worship, developing a, a lifestyle of, of worshiping the Lord personally and I would even argue privately. And so we're going to be looking at the life of David uh, for that. David was a worshiper in the Bible. Before he was King David, he was uh, the shepherd out in the field who was there. And the Bible tells us we know that he was there playing his harp, his, his lyre to the Lord and, and, to, and worshiping the Lord. And half of the Psalms, the, 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 the Psalm book of the Bible, half of that book of the Bible was written by David. He was a man of, not only a man of war, which he was, but he was a man of spiritual warfare as well, of worship. And so I want to start tonight by looking at Psalm 63 and just hearing a little bit of David's heart for the Lord and David's heart for worship, and after that, we're going to look at what developing a, a life of personal worship, what it does for us, and we'll do that by looking at uh, one of the most famous stories from David's life. So Psalm 63, it says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. So David was not someone who uh, just sort of casually served God. No, he, he passionately pursued God. He sought after God. It says, he writes, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. He goes on to say, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy." My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. 
But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down to the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. And all who swear by him shall exalt. For the mouths of liars will be stopped. David was a man of worship. He loved to worship God. He loved to sing his praises. He loved to lift his hands and to lift his voice and to to give voice to the, the love he had for the Lord. This was part of David's life, not just Uh, In the sanctuaries here, he says, but also on his bed. Also when he would awake at night. You ever wake up in the middle of the night and can't go back to sleep? You know what you should be doing then? Not checking Facebook. You you should be worshiping. You should be praising. You, You should be using that as an opportunity to draw close to the Lord. Amen? It's a wonderful time to pray. You know why? Because most people, when they start praying, guess what they do? They fall asleep. And so (laughs) if you find yourself waking up in the middle of the night and can't go back to sleep, not only is it a great time to pray, but it's also a great way to go back to sleep, I have found. But he he says, I I pray, I I sing, I I worship you, I exalt you, that, that the Lord has his attention, he has his focus. David was a man of personal and private worship. And this is something that I believe God's people are called to develop in their life. To to develop a personal and private devotion time to the Lord. Now, now worship and prayer, those two go together. Uh, Worship is oftentimes just singing our praises, singing our prayers to the Lord. You can open these psalms and I, I try to begin each of my day, I try to begin it by, by working through and reading a psalm. But oftentimes I can find myself not just reading the psalm, but praying it for myself, singing it for myself. Worshiping is not just for those who are musically gifted and musically talented, though some of you may be. And, and this is a great way to use that talent to the Lord, to, to, to sing your praises to him. But even if you, you know, sound like someone strangling a cat, you know, even, even that is music to God's ears because it's about the heart. It's about the heart. And so I want to encourage you to, to devote time in your day I think the beginning of the day is the best time. Some, some people have told me that in the evening this is, this is a time that works for them. Uh, personally, I've never been able to establish a rhythm where in the evenings that, that was, I was able to make that work. And so I've had to, to, to set aside time at the beginning of my day uh, to do that. And what I've found is that I have to set my, my alarm an hour ahead of when I need to start my day if I'm going to spend some time with the Lord in worship and in prayer and I would add in the word. David was also a man of, of the word. And we see in, in Psalm 119, though it's not specifically mentioned by David or mentioned that it was written by David, it, it's all about the, the, the connection between the word of God and the law of God and, and our prayer and our worship. 
And so I want to strongly encourage you to begin to discipline yourself to set aside time for personal prayer and worship, personal devotion time to the Lord. If, if an hour seems uh, like it's too much, uh, start, start with 15 minutes. Start somewhere. Just, just start. That's the big idea, this just to start. And you can grow once you start, but if you never start, you'll never grow. Amen? And so I want to press that into you. We see that David, that was his life, that was his lifestyle. One of the Lord having his attention, the Lord having his focus, and he was a worshiper personally way before, well before he was ever used by God to lead God's people in worship. Corporately, he had developed a personal worship and relationship with the Lord. Now, I want to talk to you tonight about three things, three things that uh, developing this lifestyle of worship will produce in your life. And uh, I want to, let's go and look at 1 Samuel chapter 16 tonight, 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel 16 talks about when David was anointed, how many of you remember that, when Samuel was sent to Jesse's house and Samuel the prophet was ready to anoint the oldest and most handsome and uh, smartest uh, son of Jesse. And the Lord had to rebuke the prophet Samuel and said, you're looking at the outward appearance, but I'm looking at the heart. And, And finally, David was brought in and Samuel anointed him. And at the end of verse Uh, At the end of chapter 16, it tells us an interesting story. It says that when uh, Samuel anointed David to be king, that the spirit of the Lord, this is verse 13, the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward, and Samuel arose and went to Ramah. And then the next verse, verse 14, says the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, who was the king at that time. And instead, he was tormented in his spirit. He became tormented because of his covenant that he broke with God and the the things that had been told him. And he, he became a man who was very troubled in his spirit. And what ended up happening was that David was brought in to minister in song before Saul. And that as David would come in, he'd begin to play his harp and play it skillfully, that 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 troubling spirit would would leave him, that his soul would find peace, that his soul would be comforted, and this troubling spirit would leave him. And so David, even here as a young man, is, is ministering and ministering in song and ministering in worship, and as as, as he, he is there, the, the presence of God would come and bring comfort to this man who was very troubled in his soul. And then chapter 17, we see, the, I think, probably the most famous story from David's life. We all know David is the man who defeated Goliath. That's right. He defeated Goliath. And from this story, we're going to look at the attitude of David 
And I believe that there are three things that we can see in David's life that we can expect in our life if we will devote ourselves to developing a private and personal time of worship. And so in chapter 17, the Philistines gather, the enemies of God, they gather against God's army, against the armies of Israel. And this giant comes out, the giant's name was Goliath. And it tells us that he was six cubits and a span. Now for all of uh, you who don't know what a cubit and a span is, that's nine feet, nine inches tall. He's a big dude. So David Robinson was seven foot one, seven foot two. This guy's two feet, seven inches taller than David Robinson. This guy's big. It tells us about the armor and the weaponry that he carried. It says his javelin was like a weaver's beam. It, it was like a, the, the, the shaft of his javelin looked like something you would start with to, to make a beam out of. It was incredible. And so he would, he would come and he would taunt the armies of God. We see this in verse 8, that he shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out and drawn up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. Verse 10, it says, The Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Verse 11 says, when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. As the account unfolds that, that David comes and he visits his brothers who were a part of Saul's army, his dad sends them to, to check on, on them, sends David to see how they're doing. And it says that David, he, he came and, and he heard what was being said. He heard the, the taunts of this uh, uh, enemy of God, and he, he heard the way that Goliath was cursing the Lord, cursing the God of Israel. David was indignant at this. We see this in verse 26 of chapter 17. David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, this, this man who's not part of God's covenant? Who is he that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who, who is this, this one who would defy, not, not just Israel, but defy the God of Israel? And the first thing I want you to see that developing a life of, of personal and private worship, what it will do for you is it will solidify your convictions. It will solidify your convictions. We, we see here that David was a man of, of great conviction. When David comes and he comes to the battle and he sees this, this covenant breaker, this, this one outside the covenant, this, this man heaping up curses and, and defying God and using the name of God in vain, he says, who is this man who would defy the armies of the living God? Who is this man? Why, why is this 
being allowed to, to happen? Why, why are we letting this guy get away with this? So David, we know, he says, I'll go and fight. Let me go. I'll, I'll go fight this Philistine. We see again in, in verse 36, the, com- the conviction that David has. Verse 36, he says, speaking now with Saul, David says, your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine, this one outside the covenant, he shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And the Lord will deliver me from the paw of the lion and from the, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Listen, when you spend time with the Lord on a consistent basis, when you spend time in worship, when you spend time in prayer, when you spend time in his word, you will find your convictions begin to solidify. You will find that that you become a person of deeply held conviction. And the opposite is also true. The opposite is also true. People who do not spend time in worship, who do not spend time in prayer, who do not spend time in the Word on a consistent basis, they become people with wishy-washy convictions. Wishy-washy was a phrase that my grandma used to use. She used to teach it to us in Japanese. I'll teach you some Japanese tonight. Wishy-washy in Japanese is fuda, fuda. Wishy-washy. It just... No foundation, no solidity, no, no guts, no convictions, no strongly held beliefs. David was a man of conviction. He was a man of strongly held belief. Ephesians 4 talks about even believers that are this way. It says that they're tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. The more time you spend with God, the more time you grow closer to him, the better you grow in your fellowship and relationship and intimacy of knowing God, the stronger your convictions will grow. The less time you spend with God, the less time you spend in worship, the less time you spend in prayer, the less time you spend in his word, you will find the weaker your convictions grow. Joshua, as he was ending, getting towards the end of his life, Joshua, who led the children of Israel into the promised land, looking at the task that still laid before God's people and looking at how they had even begun to compromise, as he gets ready to go to the grave, he says, reminds them, he calls God's people back to covenant faithfulness. He says, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And we need to be people of conviction like that. We need to be people of conviction. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. In this house, we serve the Lord. I don't know what the neighbors are doing. I don't know what our family's doing. I don't know what our coworkers are doing. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to obey his word. As for me and my house, 
we're going to worship God. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to spend time in prayer. As for me and my house, I can't control the neighbor's house. I can't control the house next door. But God's given me dominion here, amen? And we need to exercise that dominion. We need to plant our flag. We need to be people of conviction. And one of the ways, one of the great ways that develops our convictions is spending time daily in worship, prayer, and in the Word. Can I get an amen? amen. Number two, there's a second thing that it produces. We see this in verse 41. Let's look at verse 41. As David heads to the battle, armed with only a stick and a sling, Verse 41, and the Philistine moved forward and came near to David. Remember, he's just a young man. He's just a teenager. Up against this battle-hardened warrior, this giant of a man. The, the, Saul's been out there taunting the armies of Israel for 40 days. For 40 days saying, night and day, send me someone to fight with me. Send me someone to fight with me. Where is your king? Where is your champion? Where is Saul? Send me someone. And after 40 days, they send out this little teenager, this little 12-year-old. They send him out not with a sword, not with a spear, not with armor. He's out there with a sling. Like, like Dennis the Menace they send out to fight Goliath. And so Goliath, you know, he's... He's got some pride about him. He, he's a bit offended that, that this is who they send out to fight with him. And so the Philistine, it says, moved forward and came near David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. Whom you have defied. And this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. And listen, listen to what he says. This is the reason that God is going to do this today, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know, all of these, this army of cowards back here behind me, that all of them may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. Amen. The second thing that spending time, personal time with the Lord, is it will not only solidify your convictions, but it will produce in your heart a confidence in God. A confidence in God. Listen to David's confidence here. His confidence isn't in his skill. 
His confidence isn't in his ability to, to wield the, the, the sling. He knows that the, the battle belongs to the Lord. He knows that he's going to throw that rock, but that it's the Lord who's going to deliver Goliath into his hand. That it's the Lord who's going to direct that rock and it's going to strike him in his head. His confidence is not in himself, but his confidence is in the Lord. And where does this confidence come from? It comes from spending time in that secret place, in that quiet place. It comes from all of the innumerable hours that David had spent in prayer and in worship when no one was watching, when he thought he was all alone, and he was there worshiping God, meditating on his word, pouring his heart out to God in prayer, and that seeking the Lord. And the Bible says that those who seek the Lord, guess what happens? They find him. And so as David seeks the Lord, the Lord reveals himself to David. That there's a relationship that develops and a confidence that develops. And so David can go out and David can rush to the battle and David can face down this giant, this Goliath, this man who's cursing God and he can say, I don't come to you with a spear and a sword. Those are the weapons that you're trusting in. But I trust in the name, the authority, the power of the Lord God Almighty. And the Lord will deliver you into my hand. The confidence he had in God. Daniel 11.32, it says, The people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. The people who know their God, the people who have spent time in his presence, the people who have spent time in his word, the people who, who know their God, not know about their God, not know some facts and figures and some dates and some timelines, but do they know God? If you know God, you will stand firm, amen. You will not bend, you will not bow under the pressure and you will take action. You will take steps of faith. You will, will live that life of faith that we read about all throughout the, the chapter, Hebrews chapter 11. I want, I want you to, to keep your place here in uh, 1 Samuel uh, 17, but I'm going to flip over to Acts, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4. The confidence that spending time in God's presence, the confidence it produces in our lives. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John had gone to the temple to pray, they had seen a man who was lame. He asked them for money and he got more than he bargained for. Because they said, silver and gold we don't have, but what we do have we give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And that man leapt up and he began walking and leaping and praising God. And it created this huge spectacle because this man was 40 years old and he had been lame from birth. For 40 years he had laid at that temple begging, and now he's healed by the power of the one who defeated death. And so they're warned to not preach in the name of Jesus. 
They're warned to be quiet, to to be silent, to, to stop doing these things. Of course, they, they don't give in to that warning. They don't give in to that pressure. In fact, verse 8 of chapter 4, after they were warned, imprisoned, ultimately they're going to be beaten. It says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to the crippled man by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to the people of Israel that the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus, the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were just fishermen, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. What is spending time in God's presence? What is developing a a lifestyle of personal devotion and personal worship? What does it produce? It produces boldness. It produces confidence in God. It it solidifies our convictions. And then as we we know the character and the nature of God, it, it produces an internal peace. Even in the face of challenges, even as David faces down Goliath, even as Peter and John stand before the very group that condemned Jesus to death, they are not silent, but they are bold. They are bold. The Bible says that the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Where does that boldness come from? It comes from being in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It produces a confidence in God. It produces a confidence in the promises of God and the promises in his word. As you spend time in his presence, your confidence that God is is a God who keeps his word begins to be pressed deep into your hearts. And so the promises like that he will never leave you or forsake you, you actually believe it. The promises like that he will give you strength in your time of need, that he will supply all of your needs, that he will answer your prayers, that he will work everything for your good. Amen? It's not just head knowledge. It's not just some verses that you learned sometime in Sunday school back. As you spend time in his presence, it produces a confidence that God is a God who keeps his word. God has promised to protect his people. God has promised that the power of sin would be broken in our lives. God has promised that nothing can separate us from his love. The promises of God and the promises of his word go on and on and on and on. And those who spend time in his presence are those who have a confidence in God. Amen. Flip back with me to uh, 1 Samuel 17 as we see the result of David going to battle with the Philistine.
I love, I just, as I, as I was working through this uh, for this message, I, I just saw this uh, so clearly. I'd never s- seen it this way before. David says, Goliath, you're going to be delivered into my hands so that the glory of God can be put on display. You're going to be delivered into my hands that the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Wow. Wow, what confidence, what conviction. He, he, he's not worried about himself. He's not, God's going to deliver you because God loves me so much and he has a wonderful plan for my life. And so I know, no, no, God's going to defeat, you will be defeated today so that God will get the glory. So that it will be obvious to everyone that it wasn't, had nothing to do with the little shepherd boy that went out to the field that day and everything to do with the God who is in heaven. Everything to do with the God who is King of kings and Lord of lords. That the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And then I love how he throws the whole army under the bus, 47. And that all this assembly, this assembly of cowards back here, may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. Verse 48, it says, When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet the Philistine. He put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. And so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in David's hand. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. They were the ones now filled with fear. They were the ones who who had been so proud, had been so boastful. They had put all of their confidence in a man. And when their man failed, when their man was defeated, now they are filled with fear. Listen, we do not put our confidence in a man. Our confidence is in God. Our confidence is in the one who can never be dethroned, who can never be shaken, who can never be stopped, whose will cannot be thwarted. This is the confidence that David had. And then the Philistines flee, and guess who's, all, guess who's filled with boldness all of a sudden? Everybody behind David. Now, now they're all of a sudden just trusting in the Lord. Why? Because David's faith, when they saw God come through, when they saw God work, when they saw the works of God put on display, it, it produced faith in the other cowards. It produced faith in those who had no faith. It put faith in the hearts of people who hadn't spent time in God's presence. Now listen to me in this. When you, as someone who will spend time in God's presence, who who will spend time in personal worship, in private worship, in prayer, and and in the Word, and your convictions are, are solidified and your confidence in God grows, and then you get in the midst of people who who have not spent time in the presence of God, who who don't have faith in God, 
But you stand up and say, my God will supply all of my needs. My God will provide. My God will heal. My God will deliver. And then you step out in faith and watch God move. Guess what that's going to do for everybody else around you? Wow. It's going to produce faith in their hearts. That's the kind of people God's called us to be. But where does it come from? It doesn't come from watching Netflix. It doesn't come from spending time on Facebook. It doesn't come from being distracted by, again, the whole uh, whatever's going on in the news. Where does that faith come from? Listen, all of those things, you know what they do? They rob our faith. They diminish our faith. They shrink our faith. I don't care, you know, whichever news source you want to listen to, it's all bad news. The sky is falling on both sides of the aisle. How that can be, I don't know, but they figure out how to do it. Why? Because it drives engagement. It keeps people glued in. They don't care what it does to your soul. Come on. Where does the faith come from? Where does the confidence come from? It comes from getting alone with God. Getting alone with God. Developing that close personal relationship with him. Seeking earnestly after him. And spending time in his presence. And number three, the third thing it does. Is it will clarify your purpose in life. It will clarify your purpose. What do I mean by that? Well. Let's look at David. There was a whole army there, stronger, smarter, not, maybe not smarter, but stronger, more battle-tested, warriors, a part of that army. They wouldn't go and fight. David shows up bringing food from his dad to his brothers. You know, David's just running errands for Uber Eats, okay? This is what David's doing, the errand boy. And he shows up. And he hears what's going on. How did he know he was supposed to go fight the giant? What, what, what compelled him? What, what made him say, this is my problem? What made him say, I'm going to do something? I'm getting involved. Did he hear the audible voice of God? David, go fight the giant. No. No audible voice of God. Did he receive some sort of supernatural sign? Remember Gideon, how Gideon had to lay out the fleece twice? No, no supernatural sign. In fact, it appears the only voice David heard was Goliath's voice, Goliath's voice, mocking him and mocking God. He heard his brother's voice and Saul's voice trying to dissuade him, telling him he shouldn't go and fight. Everything seems to be saying, don't go and do this. So why did he take it upon himself personally to go do this? Why did he go and fight? Again, it's because he was a man of conviction who had confidence in God. And when you become a person of conviction who has confidence in God, it begins to clarify your purpose in life. As you walk through life with conviction and confidence in God... 
the, the kinds of situations you'll encounter, the, the kinds of the, the, the things that will come your way. As a person of conviction, David heard what was happening and he said, somebody has to do something about this. And if it's not going to be anybody else, it's going to be me. Because he's a person of conviction and he's a person who has confidence in God. And God wants you, likewise, to be a person of conviction who has confidence in him. And when you do that, it clarifies, it brings clarity to situations where everybody else is stuck, where everybody else is, is wringing their hands and what are we going to do and, and worried about this and worried about that. Have, have you seen all of the worry in the world today? Have you seen it? Have you noticed it? Everyone's freaking out. You know who shouldn't be freaking out? God's people. Why? Because God's on the throne. Because we have confidence in the one who is literally the author of history, who is sovereign over all, who is the King of kings and Lord of lords. We should be optimists. We should be confident. We should be out there in the world, in the public square, shining for God, full of conviction, full of faith. When the world is afraid, when the world is full of doubt, when the world is full of fear, it's those who have spent time in, in God's presence, who have solid convictions, who have confidence in God. It clarifies our purpose. It, it makes it clear what we should do, what should, we should say. It makes it clear our course of action. It was very clear for David when he showed up. That giant has to go. That bad boy's got to fall. This, this, can't this cannot stand. Nobody else is going to do anything? Well, I'll do it, and God will use me to deliver him. We've got to be people of conviction. It clarifies our purpose. We've got to be people of confidence. It clarifies our purpose. Listen, we are created in the image of God. That means we are created to bring God glory. And David understood that. David understood it's my job to bring glory to God and God is going to be glorified in this. It's not because of me. It's not because of my name. It's not because God wants to, to put me on display. No, God's going to put his name on display, his power, his might on display as this little teenage scrawny boy goes out and defeats this battle-hardened giant it's only by the power of God. We're created to bring God glory. We're called to seek first his kingdom. And as we live out that purpose with convictions and confidence, the Lord will make it clear for us every day as he directs the steps of the righteous. Amen. David didn't expect to face a giant that day. He just expected to deliver a little bit of bread and cheese. But David was also a man of conviction. David was also a man of confidence, boldness. But those had been produced by spending time in God's presence. And likewise, you too, if you will develop a personal habit of spending time in worship and devotion, daily spending time with the Lord, you will find that your convictions will be strengthened and your confidence in the Lord will grow. And as you live out your life, 
the Lord will bring clarity to how to bring him glory and how to seek first his kingdom. Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand with me uh, this evening. I'd like for us to just take a moment and let's just go before the Lord in prayer. Let's just take a moment and I, I really believe that in these moments where um, we've heard the word of God, we've spent time in the Lord's presence in worship. I really do believe that in these moments we have heaven's attention. That the Lord looks down upon us. He, he, he's here with us. He's here to do business with us. I believe that the Lord can even in these moments settle things in our hearts that previously had been unsettled. That through the, the, the work of the word and the power of the spirit that we can see the kingdom of God grow in our hearts in these moments. And so I want to I ask you, with, with no one looking around, if you would like to make a greater dedication to the Lord to, to spend more time in in personal and private worship, to, to make it a priority in your life. Maybe it's something you've endeavored to do in the past, but you've, you've struggled with it. But today you, you want to make a new dedication that this, that this is what the Lord is leading you to and the Lord is calling you to. I'd like you to, to respond today and to just, for a moment, to just lift your hands to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be a person of, of personal worship. I, I, I want to be someone who devotes myself to spending time in your presence. I, I want to, like that, that psalm we read this morning, I, I want to seek your face and seek you earnestly. I would invite you, even right now, just to begin to, to pray a prayer like that to the Lord. To begin to ask Him for His help. That's the wonderful thing about our walk with the Lord is that He helps us. The Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit would produce a hunger for His presence, uh, Lord, produce a hunger in my heart to, to worship you, to, to devote myself to prayer, to devote myself to your word. Lord, Lord, produce a greater desire in my heart to, to spend time with you. God, I pray that you would help us as your people to be people who spend time in your presence. Lord, that our, our faith, our, our life, our, our, our source, our supply, it, it comes from 
our walk with you, our time with you. Lord, help us to put away the distractions, all of the things that would try to, to creep in and to crowd out our time with you. Lord, help us as families, Lord, to spend time in worship. Lord, not gathered around just some entertainment, but gathered around your word. And Lord, that as we do, we know that you will solidify our convictions and we will grow in our confidence in you that you will help us to live out our purpose, bringing you glory in the world. Lord, I thank you for the commitments that have been made tonight. Lord, I pray that you would, would see those and that you would seal those and that you would help us and that you would come alongside of us, Lord, when we're weak and when we're weary and when you're, we're tired. Lord, that you would be the one that would give us strength. The power of your spirit at work in our lives. I thank you for, for each commitment that has been made. Lord, I pray that it would produce good and wonderful and lasting fruit in our lives and in your kingdom and in our community and in our world. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said amen. 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 Let's give the Lord a hand clap this evening. I want to encourage you. To, to share with someone this week about what the Lord is, is doing in your life. Share with someone, a believer, a friend, maybe a, a, a someone that, that you're close with. Share with them. If you've made this commitment tonight, share with them what, what the Lord is doing in your life. And let's just be talking about what God is doing. He's, he's up to something. Amen. Let's be sharing with others. It will encourage others as well. Just as we see it produce confidence in, in those around David, I believe that the Lord can use you to produce confidence and, and faith in other people's lives as well. And so let's be looking for opportunities to share about the Lord this week. Amen.